Stay positive. That's our new series. And in light of that, I just want to start before I begin our message with a, a few positive notes and a few things that I am thankful for. For starters, I'm just really thankful for our worship team. That was just wonderful. Thank you to Ben and Kara for coming and joining us to lead us today. Uh, isn't it just great, though, too, that we just get to worship an awesome God who is worthy of singing those songs? I am just so filled with joy about that. The second thing that I want to be thankful before, and I want to let you know about, is our elders. And uh, that might seem like it's a little out of the blue. Why is Kyle suddenly thanking our elders? There's no meetings coming up or anything uh, that you might be aware of. But uh, our elders have been very, very hard at work lately. And they, these guys put in a ton of time. We have five elders who, who come together. They serve every single week. And so on Tuesday mornings at 6.30, we gather for prayer where we pray for, for the church, our family, our global partners, things that are going on in one another's lives. And they do that every week. And then every month we meet for uh, board meeting. But even this week, even just yesterday, we actually had an extra board meeting. And so these guys came together to gather for, for over four hours to work through some stuff that we just couldn't get through in a regular board meeting, some stuff that we're, we're planning for and hoping for for the future. And so I am just so thankful. Church, we have such a great leadership team. And as we look towards the fall and, and what's coming, I am just so encouraged uh, by the men that we have leading there, our staff team, and even our volunteer team leaders. We just have such a great church leadership, and I am just so glad to be a part. And, and as some of you know, we have uh, our board chair, Todd, who actually kicked off this series for us last week, and I'm just especially thankful for him. He uh, gives me an opportunity to, to get away. I got to go away last Sunday and do a, a Sunday wedding, which was the first Sunday wedding I've ever done, and it was uh, a lot of fun, and we got to worship God as we uh, witnessed a marriage together, and so that was so great. But I wanted Todd to actually start us off on this series, Stay Positive, because Todd has this capability. I don't know, if you guys know Todd, you know he just has this knack for staying positive that sometimes I don't get. Like, I just look at Todd, I'm like, why are you positive? Like, we're over here doing this, or having, you know, end of a four-hour meeting, Todd, like, hops up and goes and fixes someone's, like, uh, flat tire and then goes and does something else or someone, and he still somehow manages to, uh, to, to have a smile on his face and to go and do it. And so I'm super thankful that he was able to lead us last week. And uh, I'm really thankful because it helped me get into the right tone. You know, we pick sermon series uh, a number of months in advance, sometimes up to a year in advance of us doing it. And, and sometimes I wonder why God impresses a certain series uh, on my heart. And, and for Stay Positive, Dennis and I had been praying together about what was next, where were we going to go as a church, and we felt that, that this is where we were going to be going. And, and little did I know how timely this series would be, not just for us as a church, but for me as an individual. Uh, today, we're going to be going through a message that I'm calling Stop Whining and Stay Positive. And why that's timely for me is because I did a lot of whining this week. I did a lot of complaining this week. I probably had an overarching negative attitude at certain periods this week. This message was actually incredibly difficult for me to prepare this week. Uh, this week, past week, we had some stuff that, that, that went on through, through moving. A car broke down. More significantly, we had a family member who passed away this week. And it was just like a rough week. 
And I came to it, and I was like, God, why are we doing stay positive? Like, why, why am I coming to this message where we're going to focus on not whining, but instead living with a lifestyle of gratitude? And I just really wrestled with it. But you know what was great for me was that as I wrestled through that, and you can hear it in my voice probably, I'm going to wrestle through it up here in front of you. As I've gone through that, it's been a good thing, though. It's been such a good thing because it has been the timely reminder that Scripture always is for every one of us, and it's allowed me to walk through and process through things live, in action, and I'm just so thankful for that. And so I'm hoping to just invite you into Scripture with me, into some of the journey that I've experienced this week, and my hope in that, my prayer in that, is that the Holy Spirit just speaks to you through his word today. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, even in the midst of tough seasons, even in the midst of things that are hard for your word, for who you are, for what you can accomplish, and God, I know for me today, I'm just so thankful for the fact that we can come to this word in the, in the midst of a tough time in my life, and God, I just pray that, that through this, God, you would not just speak to the congregation, but speak to my heart. God, would you use this to do something incredible in our lives where we would learn to trust in you, where we would learn to rest in you, and we would learn when we have all the negativity, all the, the complaints, all the, the bad attitude in the world, Lord, would we learn to come to you with thanksgiving and gratitude anyways, and God, allow you to do something incredible in the midst of that, and God, I just pray that you would speak to everyone here. God, I know I'm not alone. I know there's so many people in our church family who are going through different struggles right now, who are suffering with different things. And God, I just pray that it would be a freeing moment for them. Would it be something that would uh, lift them up out of the situation that they find themselves in? Not, Lord, for just for their benefit, but for your benefit, for your kingdom as well. And God, I just pray that you would be glorified in everything that we're going to do today. And God, I just thank you for the worship that we've had. I thank you for uh, the leaders that we had on stage and our band and our tech team and how everybody is pulling together, how our, our kids' men is happening. God, I, I want to start this time with gratitude because, God, you are at work through so many people, and we thank you for that today. And, God, we give this time over to you, and we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And so I start that, and in, uh, in for me, a very particular way, but I think for many of us, we can, we can resonate with this, <sighs> this sense of complaint and frustration and challenge. I know many people in our church are going through a lot of things, and I think our world's going through a lot of things. Everywhere I go, every conversation I have, it seems like there's like this undercurrent. Have you noticed this? It's like undercurrent of negativity and complaint. And I mean, it's about everything. It's like about every, like we're complaining that we have this miserable winter and then it's hot and we're like, ah, the heat, ah, the traffic in the heat, ah, uh, COVID, ah, things aren't the way they used to be, ah, things aren't as far ahead and different as I want them to be, ah, right? We, there's just so much tension and frustration, ah, I can't go traveling, ah, I can't do my renos because everyone else didn't go traveling and got to their contractor first, ah, right? And it's just like, it's just this, this like, like fierce, complaining, whining, negative space. And the problem with that is it's just starting to eat us up. Like I look around and I look at my friends, I look at my own life, I look at my family and I go, man, this is just killing us. And we, we aren't made 
to be negative. We aren't made to complain and to whine. And actually, it, it takes a, an immense toll on us. And this is, this is scientific stuff. This is scientific stuff that, that complaining actually has a real negative consequence on our lives. I did some research this week to look into what does complaining do to an individual. And after combing through a number of different scientific studies, I came to find out quite a number of things that I didn't realize. And the first one is that more complaining leads to more complaining. This is a really interesting scientific fact about if you know how our brains work, you know that whenever we have a thought or we do something, our brain makes connections. And what's interesting is that our ability to make negative connections in our brain is incredibly powerful. And the more that we complain, the more our synapses hire, hardwire together to lead towards more negativity and complaint. It's why, you know, when you get into that funk and you start complaining, it's just easy not to just complain about that first thing you were thinking about, but the other like 72 items that you have on your list. It's the reason why you see some, you get to know someone and they start off negative and then you meet them six months down the road and they're just a miserable shell of a human being. Our negativity actually leads towards negativity and that takes a huge toll on us mentally and emotionally and it leads us to having all sorts of toxic emotions. And then it goes on from there and it doesn't just impact us mentally and emotionally, which we normally think about negativity, but it also impacts us as physically. There's research that indicates that when we are more negative, we end up with a weakened immune system. We end up with a variety of chronic illnesses, especially related to our hormonal system and our cardiac system. So it's affecting our hormones, it's affecting our heart, it's affecting our lungs. It's really taking a significant toll on us and it actually starts to wear us down physically. And then so we have this mental, we have this emotional, we have this physical toll, but it also takes a relational toll. We all know those people who are like the ultimate complainers, you know, the Karens in our life. Sorry to all the Karens who are here, but this Gen Z term that is being used now for the Karens who go around who are these people who just go around complaining and we know them and we don't really want to be around them. We don't like being around people who are complainers and so we start to distance ourselves from them that is at least unless they complain about the things we want to complain about then it's okay but it starts to take a toll and it takes a toll on us relationally as we'll talk about in a moment it takes a toll on us spiritually as well now when we talk about negativity it's really easy for us to get negative I found that. I was reading all this. I was like, oh, this is just terrible. Why is negativity, right? And I just found that there's all this to be negative about. But the good thing is that there is a cure. And this cure is both backed scripturally and scientifically. And the cure for negativity and complaining is gratitude. Gratitude is a powerful action. It's when we express our thanks and our gladness about different things. And what's interesting is that when people express thankfulness, when people express gratitude for different parts of their lives, it actually has a holistic change to them. I was reading Positive Psychology, uh, which did a, a, a compilation of a number of studies to look at the positive benefits of, of gratitude. And they actually found that people who regularly uh, participated in acts of gratitude, whether it was writing things they were thankful for, talking to a friend or a neighbor, uh, ended up having a number of great things happen to them. The first thing was that they experienced a decrease in toxic emotions. 
The more thankful someone is, they found that the less anxious, the less depressed, the less envious, and the less hatred that person carried with them. It actually was able to dispel different toxic emotions, even if they had been thankful for things in different areas of their life. It was able to do a good work. Meanwhile, while those things go down, when we're thankful, the other things go up. Our self-esteem picks up. Our social comfort, our, our, our comfort and ability to be in groups without anxiety or frustration actually goes on the rise. People who are thankful in, in, increase improved quality of romantic relationships. Ladies and gentlemen, take note if you are married. Gratitude will help your relationship with your spouse. It also goes on and has an incredible impact. And they found by people across the board of different faiths and religious experiences that the more often that they were grateful, the less spiritual funks they exhibited. How many of us have noticed that when we're going through life and things seem to be difficult, there seems to be a correlation to our spiritual life going in the toilet? I've experienced that. I'm sure you all have as well, and it's all correlated. But likewise, when we start to experience gratitude and be thankful for things, we actually have this interesting connection in which our spiritual lives actually come to blossom. And I think that's because God intentionally hardwired us to it. And in fact, as we'll see in the book of Philippians today, God commands us to come to him with thankfulness. He encourages us to come and thank him for doing things, and it actually has a positive impact. This is a truth that has been taught about for over 2,000 years right here in Scripture. And so if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 4 to 8 today. And here we read this, this interesting passage, because sometimes we come to church and, and we're a bit jaded and we think, well, like, it's easy for the Bible to say that. But I want to just set this up for a moment, because what's happening is this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and the church in Philippi is going through all sorts of different persecutions and internal struggles. There's a lot of pressure from the world and push out against them as Christians. And meanwhile, it's not just the church in Philippi that's struggling, but also the person who wrote it who's struggling. Paul writes this letter from prison. He's gone through being shipwrecked. He's gone through being abused by other people, mocked by other people. He's now under house arrest in Rome as he's writing this. If this was me, whether I was Paul or I was the church in Philippi, these wouldn't be the words that would necessarily come first to me, but we're thankful that the Holy Spirit guided Paul in being able to live and say this. Philippians chapter 4, verses 48 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. From the midst of jail, writing to a church he loves who's in the midst of torment, Paul says, rejoice. 
And he doesn't just say it once, but he says it again. And he says to do it always. Now, whenever we read scripture and we see somebody repeat something, we should probably take a closer look. Because this is emphasis. This is something that the author wants us to understand and gravitate towards. And so I want to point out this word, rejoice. What comes to your mind when you think of the word rejoice? Maybe a party? Maybe a celebration? Maybe a moment of gladness? And those are all true. Those are all held within this word. But if we look at the original Greek for this word rejoice, there's actually a root word in the midst of it. And the root word is charis, which means grace. When Paul wrote this word to the church in Philippi, what they would have heard was be glad for the grace you have in the Lord. Be glad for the unearned, unmerited things that you have received. When? Always. And then he says, let me say it again. Be glad and be thankful for the grace that you have received. Always. Paul is saying an incredibly powerful thing to us here in this text. How many of us can say that we've embraced it? I don't know about you, but I think it's something that I need to work a little bit more on. And Paul goes on from there. He says, I want you to be glad. I want you to celebrate the grace that you have given. And then, if you're anxious, if you're going through a difficult season in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, bring your requests to God. What's interesting, again, in this passage is that Paul in the Greek is doing something quite interesting. This word thanksgiving is eucharistia. Right in the middle of that word thanksgiving is the same word that we had in the root word of rejoice. This idea of grace. We celebrate the grace that God has given us. When we're anxious, when we're going through those things that lead us towards complaint, we're supposed to look for the grace of God. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. When you're anxious, when you're going through all sorts of situations, look for the grace that God has given and celebrate it back to him. You know, when I think about so much of the frustration, the complaints, the negativity that have come to me, I, 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 I resonate with this word anxiety. What happens when we're anxious? We feel torn apart, don't we? We start to maybe feel pulled in different directions. And that was part of my experience this week in the midst of moving and trying to figure out getting a car back on the road and, and working at the church and doing family things and all these kind of things. I, I felt torn apart. And actually, that's the word that Paul uses here. This word for anxious means to be pulled in many directions. And when that comes, the negativity starts to come. The anxiety starts to flare up. Perhaps the depression starts to creep in. Uh, maybe other different things start to grab a hold of us and bring us down. 
And Paul, he understands this. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years for people dealing with this complaint and this negativity. Paul experienced it in his day just like we do today. Maybe it's different circumstances, but we all go through it. He says, we all get torn apart in a thousand directions, and when we get to that place, what can we do? He says, focus in. He says, focus in. Focus in on the grace that God has given you. Focus in on the good things that God brings about in your life. And as you do that, what do we see? He says in verse 6 and 7, he says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we focus in on God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we forget God is a God of peace. He's a God who not just brings peace with his people, but he brings peace for his people. He brings a sense of us being able to find rest in circumstances where we cannot rest. He brings security in places where we don't feel like there's security because it seems like everything is falling apart. And that was my experience this week. I was so thankful as I wrestled with it. As I said, I, you know, when I came to this passage, I was like, God, why this week? <laughs> like, come on. Come on, God. Like, why this passage this week? But I realized I needed this me message so much. Because God was reminding me. He said, you know what? You might feel anxious right now. You might feel pulled in a thousand different directions right now. But if you come and focus on me and come to me with thanksgiving, with the things that I have given, it will bring you peace in all those circumstances. And I'll tell you, while I wasn't perfect at this at all this week while there were plenty of occasions where I grumbled and complained I did find the truth in this that as I would go to God in different circumstances in different times throughout the week I felt that security when things felt like they were falling apart I felt that comfort and presence that reminded me that God was near even when I didn't know what was happening. I felt that there was this opportunity. There was one point where I was really ticked off with somebody about something that happened. And, and amazingly, before I was prepared to forgive that person, I had spent a moment uh, of prayer in thankfulness for something else that came out of that interaction. And what was incredible is that suddenly I was disarmed and able to extend forgiveness to that person, even though I had just been in a place of anger and upset. So many of us spend so much of our time focused on the negative. And it's easy to get buried underneath it. We all go through tough circumstances. We're all seeing and hearing and reading the news. We can all go to a comment section online and just get buried beneath the complaint. The question is, what will we do instead? And that's why I love the, this, pat, this verse that comes after, verse 8. Paul says this, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you're going through 
a season of difficulty, if you're going through a season of anxiety, if you're going through a season where you just find yourself constantly upset, I would ask you, what are you listening to? What are you looking at? What are you celebrating? Even in the most difficult of circumstances, every single one of us has something to be thankful for. The most wonderful of all those things is, of course, the person of Jesus. Jesus came when we were far away from him, when we were undeserving of him because we have rebelled and gone against us, and he came to die as a substitute in our place for the death we deserved and the separation we deserve because we've gone against God. God himself brought himself amongst people to live the life, to show the way that we couldn't experience on our own so that when he died and rose again, we could have life if what? Scripture tells us that if we confess and we thank God for what he has done. I don't mean this to trivialize anything anyone is going through. It doesn't mean circumstances aren't difficult. It doesn't mean emotions aren't high. It doesn't mean things aren't going to be painful. But really, when we think of the great debt that we owe to God, the great punishment that we all deserve, and the fact that he would freely extend his grace through himself, through his death for our life, we should have no reason to complain at all. Because the most significant thing in the world has been dealt with. We have him. If you're going through a period of negativity or anxiety and then you don't have Jesus, I would encourage you so much to turn to him. Because this is the only thing that can give you security through each and every one of those anxious situations, through each one of those things that will bring baggage and pain to your life. The only thing that will frame it all is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's done it all. He's paved the way. He said the only thing you need to do is acknowledge where you've gone wrong and thank me for what I've done and then live in the presence of my spirit. What an incredibly powerful thing each and every one of us have the opportunity to receive. And so if you don't have that, then I would encourage you today before you leave this place, just pray to God. Acknowledge that you have done wrong. Thank him for who he is and what he's accomplished. And from this moment on, he will begin to be a presence in your life which can bring you peace which can reframe everything that might be negative into something that is gloriously positive. Now, we can't sugarcoat it. It's, it's not like it, it all goes away, and I know that. Paul knew this. Paul had an incredible encounter with Jesus. He lived his life to death for Jesus, but he still knew difficult circumstances would come our way, and that's why he gave us this incredible verse. Verse 8, he gave us tools to use to continue to go on. Frame your day every day with thanksgiving, but then as you go through, think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Think about excellent and praiseworthy things in every day. I think more Christians need to keep a, a, a gratitude journal or some type of gratitude list somewhere in their life. 
I've done this many times in, in different occasions, and sometimes it's just in a moment you have to sit there, and I did this a few times this week where you just have to, 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 to look for the silver lining, as it were, and be thankful for those moments. But I think more than that, we need to create this habit. We need to be intentional of receiving the gratitude that we have or, or receive the things that we have with gratitude. An incredibly powerful tool that I had for a long time until just uh, a while ago before my office door got painted, what I did is I kept on the back of that door a gratitude list. And I just put five important areas of my life. I had work and my faith and my family and a couple other categories. And what I did is for each one of them, on a rotation, I would regularly just write five things that I was thankful to God for. And what was incredible is every day as I would open up my door, close my door, be in a meeting, sitting and looking at that door, I was able to see this list. And it was this reminder of who God is and what he means for us. And I found that even in, in challenging conversations and in difficult circumstances, I was able to reframe things time and time again. Too many of us keep lists that are negative. So many of us have grudge lists, and I hate this list, and I don't like those people lists, and these things are wrong in my life lists. But how many of us regularly, with the same level of stewardship, or better, which it should be better, keep a list of the things we're thankful to God for? I would encourage everybody, before the end of the day, to keep a gratitude list. And then second, I would encourage you to create a daily rhythm of thanking God. Many of us pray quite regularly, and it's easy to, to quickly skip over the thanksgiving part of praying. It's really easy for us to jump into the things we need and, and to, to invite in God to do things, and that's important. God wants to be involved. God wants to move. God wants to act. But we also need to thank him. He wants to hear our thanks, and our thanks is good for us as well. Whether you start your day or end your day or find yourself at your lunch break, thanking God, do it daily. And the third thing, while it's not explicit in this text, I think is very implicit in here, is that we should share our thanks with others. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always means when we're with our friends, when we're with our families, when we're with our coworkers, we can have and take opportunities to be glad for the good things that God has given. Too many Christians are grumpy, miserable old people. And you don't have to be old to be one of those grumpy, miserable old people, but we get to that place because we lose sight of the things that can guard our hearts and our minds, and so share it. Share it for the sake of the gospel. Share it for the sake of your life and share it for the sake of the others because there is nothing better that will bring more joy and break more negativity in the life of your family and friends than you sharing the great things that are going on in life. If you're a parent, this should be an act of discipleship that you should take regularly. You should regularly have times where you sit around the table, where you prepare for going to bed, where you're driving on the way to a sports game, where you encourage and teach your kids to be thankful to God for something so that they can have their hearts and minds guarded and that they can have the peace that comes from Christ alone. Church, there's so much to be negative for. There's so much to be anxious about. 
but there is no reason. We have an incredibly wonderful and powerful God who can supersede all things, who can provide us with peace that we cannot possibly understand or measure. So let us find ourselves going to him again and again and again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the wisdom that comes from it. And God, sometimes it's difficult to receive in the moment, but God, we know we need this. Holy Spirit, will you continue to plant it in our hearts and our minds, and out of it would you work something good. Lord, we know that you work all things together for the good of those who love you. And God, even in the midst of these difficult circumstances that that I know so many are going on and through in our church, God, I pray that you would reveal the great things that you are working together. Heavenly Father, now as we can keep continuing on through worship, through song, God, I pray that these songs would be an expression of our thanksgiving for who you are Holy Spirit, would you bring things to mind and in our hearts of the things that we need to celebrate you for, and would this be used as something which would be a catalyst in our life to go and be positive for the rest of our days, not just for our sake, but for your sake, so that you would be brought all the glory in our thanksgiving. God, we thank you for this time, and we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.